Welcome to the Lesbian Podcast. I'm Mickey. Jay Church. And this is Charlie. Well, it's been an insane week here in San Francisco and in uh, the United States in general. Barack Obama was elected on November 4th, and Proposition 8 passed. The, uh, yeah, the amendment to um, the, con- the California Constitution that says that marriage will only be between a man and a woman. That passed, which is very, very sad. Um, there were a lot of protests and there was a candlelight vigil. You guys were there for that. There was a candlelight vigil on Wednesday at the Civic Center. Uh, and on Friday, Jay Church and I actually went to the march. That started at Civic Center um, and ended up at the Castro. And I guess, I mean, I didn't do the entire march, but they apparently were walking back and forth a couple of times. So. Yeah, I saw yeah. them a couple of times past my house, too. Mm-hmm. I had to work, but I did hear that the march, it was a candlelight vigil, and then it ended with DJs at Dolores Park, which I thought was hilarious because the gay people were always celebrating something. And even though, you know, there was it was a really serious subject, um, I think that that was something that was very healing and good. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think the march was twofold. It was, you know, a protest. I mean, granted, we're protesting in San Francisco, which is kind of speaking to the choir. But it, I think more importantly for a lot of people that put a lot of time and effort into no on Prop 8 and people who saw their marriages be invalidated, it was also just a lot of, it was more importantly like a healing process. Right. And we actually went out, uh, the Lesbian Podcast went out to um, Fembar over the week and we went to Cream um, this past weekend and we talked, um, I in particular talked to a couple who had their marriage um, basically well they're not sure if it's going to be nullified or what's going to happen mm. but they had the huge wedding you know they had a photographer they had a cake to all their family and friends and they have a 15 year old son um, and they were really upset that you know their marriage is they don't know what's going to happen and I, I thought that was really sad and I talked to another guy on the night of the election when they weren't sure like there was a lot of party in the street in Castro I know it, mm-hmm. you guys were there and he he told me this really great story about how he was going to vote yes on eight. And then a friend of his called and said, did you know a friend of ours is gay? He was like, oh, I didn't know that. So he called them, they had a long chat, and he ended up going and holding a sign with his friend on a corner in Orinda. Wow. And I have this on video, actually. And he stood at that corner and he held the sign. He's straight and he's married. And he said people kept driving by and saying, you know, faggot, queer, you belong in a zoo, like all this stuff. And... and He's telling me this, and I, I can barely hear him because it's really loud, at, you know, and the audio is okay, but I didn't have my headphones on, and, and I could tell this really affected him, right. and he, was, he wanted to cry, Yeah. and I just thought, wow, this, you know, it's really affected people, and he said because of that, he felt even more mobilized, and he drove up from Orinda to be part of the, the celebration in the Castro if it didn't pass, but unfortunately it did. Yeah. So. Well, there is actually a lot of controversy. Um, I feel like some people were upset that people were partying at Dolores Park and you know why is there drinking and dancing what are we actually celebrating um you know it's supposed to be a protest and people are getting drunk on the streets and blocking traffic and that it was a poor representation um but I know a lot of other people like Jay Church feels that you know it's a way of venting and releasing a lot of pent-up energy. I mean, this was the second most important issue in the election. So, 
I just think that the whole the whole fight is, you know, bigger than just marriage. It's fight for equality and the, the fight for people to have the freedom to, you know, do what they please, marry who they please. And in the same right, since that's what we're fighting for is equality and, you know, understanding, we should also be equally as understanding of people's right to react to a certain situation in a way that they're most comfortable with. And if having a DJ and colorful outfits and, you know, getting support from your community makes this easier for you to deal with at this time, I don't see anything wrong with that. And I don't see why we should be judging them for that. Yeah, my only hope is that now that we've seen that there's this large community of people really support, um, you know, marriage and equality in California, then I hope that they go out to those other areas where they did vote yes mm. and they protest and they get out of San Francisco and out of the mission and and go and like really show the actual face. Bakersfield, of, California. Yeah, wherever. Fresno or all those places where yeah. they voted, um, you know, in really high numbers for yes. And just put a face, you know, some visibility would be really good. I think, and talk to people, you know, and it, it was such a polarizing thing too. I mean, I saw placards in the town that I work in that said yes on eight, and I just, yeah. I would get so angry that I wanted to do something. I, I, and I heard about some people who did some stuff and it was kind of vandalism. And then I, I heard this really cute story about how these people put up this big sign that said yes on eight. And so some other people wrote, I guess inside their car it must have been, and they said bigots live here. And they went and parked their car right in front of that, those, uh, that person's house. And so it said yes on eight, and then it said bigots live here in the car. <laughs> and they tried to get it removed, and the cops said, well, they have three days to remove it. And so yeah. then in the three days, they removed it. But yeah. I just thought, that's great. Bigots live here. It's that's terrific. funny. Yeah. And I mean, the fight's not over yet. Like, it's, it hasn't become law yet. There's still people fighting, you know, in the court system to see if they can get this overturned. And it's kind of crazy that it's able to get on a ballot just with this measure without it going through the legislative the legislative branch because I know for amendments to the constitution which is huge in Indiana it has to go through two sessions of the house two sessions of the senate in in different um different years and then it goes to vote by the people so it's it's kind of crazy that it's that easy to make an amendment to something that's so important yeah we also had um, other things this week, too. My birthday was this week. Mickey's birthday! Happy birthday. It's like, what, the fifth anniversary of your 21st? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Actually, I, I really don't like my birthday. I wish that I could like it, um, but I kind of I wish I didn't have it. It's sort of a drag, you know? Like, I could totally tell it's going to be my birthday because people are starting to, you know, dress like zombies. You know, Halloween comes <laughs> up. Um, the weather turns bad. And then I know, okay, it's going to be my birthday. And it's always raining on my birthday. And my, you know, it's kind of new for me too because my parents never celebrated. They still don't. Actually, I, I called my mother and told her, hey, I'm a year older. She was like, oh, it's today. I'm like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's <laughs> terrific. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of new for me. And then the, there's a whole protocol of birthdays too, like, like gift giving, you know? Like, like, I'll give you an example. One of my friends took me to the opera over the weekend and they presented me with a little gift bag. And I thought, okay, I'll open that later. And they were like, no, no, you have to open it now. So I gave it to you now. I'm like, open it, okay. Later in the week, I was given another gift, and when I opened it right away, the woman said, no, no, I thought you should open that on your birthday so that you can, you know, unwrap it, so you'd have something to unwrap. And I was like, you know, I can't win for losing. Like, I just, <laughs> this is just, you know, really frustrating. I just don't understand the protocol and all of that, so it's just, no. 
and you know, I'm always like, I don't have family that celebrates, so I kind of want to fill in that gap with my friends. And everyone's really partied out from Halloween, seriously. And you know, there's and all, all the Scorpio. There's birthdays. 900 yeah, Scorpio. Birthdays. I know. And, and so by the time mine rolls around, it's like, oh hey, you guys should get a Scorpio up. coalition together and have one giant Scorpio birthday. Because really, yeah. just in all the Scorpios whose birthday it would be, you'd probably have 900 attendees right there. Yeah, and I think that would be cool. I just, I kind of feel like I want to have my closest friends and everybody, and and that because I don't have the family thing, I kind of want to have my own thing. And I, yeah, we, I've done the the multiple Scorpio thing, but it's kind of important to me. And I, and every year I try to make it not important. I try to have no expectations. And every year I'm like, oh yeah, no one, you know, no Aww. one's available or whatever. So it, it's just, I really, I just don't know. I don't know if I'm going to continue to celebrate. It just sucks. So maybe you know, maybe if I get a partner or something, it'll be easier. But I just, ugh. <laughs> I hate the weather. You know, all of it. It's like, yeah. My so, parents always really downplayed birthdays. So like, we would just do the dinner and then call it. Yeah. Like I know for my birthday this year, you probably didn't even know it. <laughs> no, I did. We were out for your birthday. When did yeah, we, go we out went out to Cockblock or Rebel Girl. We did. Remember? Oh yeah, but that wasn't yeah. like go out for my birthday. That was just like no, it's it was. Cockblock. No, it I was. Only, I only went out because it was your. Are birthday. you serious? Yeah. Huh. I I think birthdays are really important, but that's me. Like that's me not having grown up with birthdays, without celebrating like six birthdays so far, seven birthdays. So I think that's really important. Um, But yeah, so it's just weird. I don't know the birthday thing. Okay, today our show in three parts. First, we'll be talking about what the next steps are for Proposition Eight and Homo headlines, and Charlie will share some rainbow rumors with us. And then we'll get down to the nitty gritty with Franca, a licensed marriage family therapist. She's going to answer the questions that you, our wonderful listeners, asked us when we were out in San Francisco. But first, let's get to Homo Headlines. November 4th was a bittersweet day for many Californians. Barack Obama was elected, which we just talked about. And in the same breath, 52% of all Californians decided to vote for Proposition 8. If the number of protests taking place in the Bay Area statewide or on the web is any indication, the fight over the state's newly approved ban on same-sex marriage is not over. In fact, I think there's a few court uh, battles being um, There's like three lawsuits. Yeah, Yeah. Lambda Legal, um, the National Center for Lesbian Rights, and I think Equality for California all lodged lawsuits. Yeah, and I think one of them had to do with, um, there was a 1960s um, court case that was brought um, to the state of California that would limited um, ha- fair housing on grounds that prejudice could not be put into a state constitution. Mm. Um, anyway, so yeah, the church and state separation is an issue uh, because the Mormons supported um, a lot of Prop 8, and so... They provided 40% of the funding for yeah. Yes on Prop 8. So that's a big question. It's, it's undeniable that the churches are um, supporting this, and they have to have a clear separation of church and state, which puts um, at risk their... Uh, tax-exempt status, I think. And I would love it. If the Mormon church lost their tax-exempt status, can you imagine? We would get so much more money to the state. It would be awesome. But of course, it's probably not going to happen because they've probably thought about this and they, you know, done things. Because I think they were asking their parishioners. They weren't, you know... They're asking their parishioners, didn't they? And I mean, they do have a right to free speech. You know, you don't want to take that away because, you know, you're cutting your nose off to spite your face at that point. But yeah, I mean, the fact that 40% came from a religious group is definitely... I don't know, there's some concern there, because it's, it's the U.S. We're founded on a division between church and state. Exactly. exactly. You don't want the church changing your constitution. Exactly. Then you're old England. 
Yeah, and didn't you say that there was an Arizona ban? Arkansas. Well? The, well, Arizona, yeah, Arizona banned gay marriage as well. They had a and constitutional Florida. amendment. So California, Arizona, and Florida yeah. banned gay marriage. But in Arkansas, this is even more sad to me, um, they voted to ban gay couples from adopting children and taking care of foster children. And I that's completely like so sad to me because I mean there's so many homeless children or abused children and yeah I'm sure the foster kids really appreciated that one yeah, yeah. they just don't care yeah yeah hmm. well that's a lot of heavy things in uh, homo headlines so now it's time to take a little lighter look at life with rainbow rumors So I think we all know Rachel Maddow, who's the lesbian um, correspondent for MSNBC, and she also has a show called Era America. She was named one of the hottest lesbians in Out Magazine. Out, out. Yeah. Out. Um, I guess every year they have an Out 100 list, and they listed her in the list this year and called her one of the biggest breakouts of the year. That's great. I watched her for the election coverage. On MSNBC. She did. She, uh, I think she doubled her viewership from just um, speaking on topics during the election. So That's great. She's a good representation for the community. Definitely. I actually read somewhere that she, um, on a couple nights a week, she gets higher ratings than Larry King. Awesome. She's a very good representation. She's a Rhodes Scholar. She's very articulate. I mean, what better? What can you ask for? Yeah. Yeah. Did you know how far she drives to work? What is she? It's oh, she lives in some remote town or area. Something? Yeah, she has this really cute house with her with her partner. And they live really far away. I think it's like either 140 miles or 150 miles away from where she works. Wow. So she stays where she works. Yeah, and they don't have a TV, and she drives to the dump every weekend with her dog, and like it's just a whole other life that she leads. It's very it's really lesbian of her. Yeah, it was it was actually in the New York Times <laughs> that article about that. If you want to look it up, it's really interesting. Is she vegetarian too? <laughs> I'm I don't sure. Know. <laughs> Um, on another note, there was, um, Alina, she was the queer model on America's Next Top Model, and she actually got to final five, but this week she was eliminated. Oh, I know. So sad. She's pretty hot. She is. Have you seen her? I haven't, but I will. I think she's part Russian and Mm. something else. She's biracial. Like it already. Yeah. (laughs) That's Vidanya. What does that mean? Hello. Uh It sounded strikingly similar Obushka. to vagina. That's a, what? You think <laughs> everything say it again. sounds like vagina? Does vadonia? Right there. Vadonia? Vagina? Eh? Eh? All right. You're stretching mind. it. I mean, Jay Church has a really dirty mind. <laughs> Anyways. Bloody Marys will do that. <laughs> so, everyone knows Madonna. All the gays love Madonna, especially the gay men. But um, I guess. So many others are listening to our show. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, she's making her friends choose sides while her divorce is going through, which is pretty sad. Oh, Madge. Yeah, you Richie, really? Yeah, why would you do that? What are, what are your options? Like, if you get if you keep Madonna, <laughs> what do you get? And if you keep Guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'd really Madonna's have to think about a better it. ally. I think, I think it's like, are you into movies or music? Movies or music? Movies. You'd probably Madonna go with Guy. Madonna has more power, though. I would go with Guy, because his movies are really rad, and he's really creative. And he probably doesn't have all that drama, and you probably have to do things. 
for Madonna. Like yeah. serious. Like it's true. Like she's a know, diva. She just snaps her fingers, and you gotta be there or something. You probably have to say the right. You things. have to go get her children from Africa. I don't know. <laughs> she's adopting another child. Really? Yeah, I heard That's that was a one rumor. Of the they were nope, uh, full of rumors. Person. I know. She really is. <laughs> full of hot air. But in major breaking news, Katy Perry, our favorite <laughs> topic on the Lesbian Podcast, she did not fuck anything up this week. <laughs> That's awesome. amazing. Wow. Right? Woo. That's really amazing. Nice. Um, but the <laughs> last topic is Lesbian Podcast will be interviewing people at Cock Block. December 13th. San Francisco. Yes. So that's going to be exciting. Um, we want people to come out and support and possibly um, interview for our podcast. So. Yeah, and don't be afraid because a lot of people are afraid. Don't you know, be we have shy. We We're not going to make you look like an asshole. We, we promise. We want <laughs> you might make, you, make like you look like an asshole, but it won't be <laughs> But <us>. we won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but we won't make you look bad. And if it's bad, we don't use it. We just yeah. don't use it. We just Edit. want like people to represent and get, you know. We don't want to look like other. assholes either. No, we don't. We would never. We would never do that. Unless you were particularly a really bad asshole, like someone that we really didn't like. Like someone who <laughs> was at Castro Street Fair with a Pekingese and was voting for Palin. Exactly. Exactly. We would make him... <laughs> if anyone's watched that video. See, so if you fit into that criteria, then you should be worried. <laughs> but, um, but otherwise you Likely should. you don't, so you're fine. Yeah. I mean, you listen to our podcast, so clearly you're cool. Clearly. Clearly. You have good taste. <laughs> Yeah, it was actually interesting. We were at Cream this past weekend, yeah. which is a party at Cat Club. No, 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 no. it's not Cat DNA Club. DNA Lounge. DNA Lounge. Oh, sorry. Which we sorry. haven't been to yet. That was my first time there. Really? I used to go to DNA all the time. They used to do a lot of electronic stuff there. I really like that club. It's very cool. Yeah. I really like the go-go dancers. And the promoter oh. was so awesome and nice to us. Chilidi. Chilidi. Shout out to Chilidi. Big Pops. Yeah, and we interviewed Goddess and She, yep. which was awesome. And then... Um, we, we actually interviewed people on the street and asked them different questions, and that was fun. And I actually, I was surprised. Um, my friend Alex went and got someone to interview, and it was one of the go-go dancers, and she was super hot. And uh, she said, you know, she asked her some questions, and she said, oh, yeah, I totally listen to the lesbian podcast. You found the one person in San Francisco I know. I was like, you know what I said? I said, no, you don't. <laughs> like, I'm holding this camera. We got a mic. You know? We don't I believe said, you. I said, no, you don't. She's like, yes, I do. I do. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. She said, yeah, I really like that last interview with Melitza. Danielas. And you fainted? I was like, really? No, you just read that. I still didn't believe her. And she's like, yeah, the serpent dick part. And I was like, oh. Wow. Serpent dick is a telltale sign. She said, you guys are just getting better and better. We really need that for the community. And I was like, Aww. oh. I knew I like go-go dancers. <laughs> <laughs> now we like them for more than one reason. Exactly. Let me give you a dollar. <laughs> In your panty. Yeah. Can you bend over? Awesome. <laughs> wow. But it was, it was a cool Flexible. show. I really liked um, Goddess and G. I loved when the go-go dancers went on stage for Lick It. It gave it a whole new element. Yes. <laughs> of licking a it. visual element. <laughs> All right. So you guys should look for the video. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have the video out probably sometime next week. Right. Hopefully. Okay. So in the studio with us today, we have Franca, who is a... Uh, marriage family therapist and she's been one for 30 years and now we're just going to interview her and ask her some questions about what she thinks about what makes a healthy relationship okay franca welcome to the lesbian podcast well thank you and i'm glad to be here well we brought you here to address some of the nagging questions in the minds of other lesbians in the bay area and i think everyone can use a little relationship coaching mm -hmm. i would agree <laughs> all of us can 
So my first question is, uh, what is a healthy relationship exactly? How would you describe it? You know, that's a very good question because, first of all, who defines what healthy means right. and who defines re the word relationship? You know, when I think of relationship, I think of the word connection. I've been doing, I've been working with families and individuals and couples for about 30 years now, and I found that everyone has a different version of what relationship means. I'm assuming that you're, you're saying healthy relationship to mean between two people, because we can have a relationship with our PC, with our puppy, with all kinds of things, and we use it, the word quite broadly. Um, for me, it, what I have found is that the very first word that comes to mind for a, quote, healthy relationship would be the big C word, and that is communication. Without it, I'm not sure you can have any sort of relationship. Um, I, I think, too, that what defines healthy relationship is, on, is the expectations that we put around it and what we feel that a re healthy relationship is. You know, is it something like we see in the movies where everyone gets along great? Um, is it lust? Is it a need that I can't be alone? Is it based upon my own experiences with my parents? How old am I? You know, uh, have I had losses in my life? Am I gay, straight, hmm. transgender? Um, all those to me define what a healthy relationship is. A healthy relationship feels good. It feels that you that you be, you belong to someone or with someone, because really we don't belong to anyone but ourselves. A healthy relationship has boundaries. A healthy relationship defines that that person cannot meet all of our needs um, and that we can't change that person. Um, when we have problems with that and we don't know what our own needs are, um, then we kind of start mixing what we feel is a healthy relationship based on unmets rather than our own needs. A healthy relationship aside of, of communication also means to give, you know, give in sometimes, to, to, um, to caress, to cherish that person, to give that person privacy, to respect that person. I've seen in relationships, particularly unfortunately in gay and lesbian relationships, where the person is afraid or embarrassed to take their partner to certain events at work or perhaps in the street. Um, and, you know, if, if you have those kinds of feelings, that's not healthy. If you have the feelings that that person should be doing something that you want them to do, that's not healthy. And it, it's going to cause friction in the long run. Healthy is just being who you are um, in any kind of relationship. Healthy is being, feeling good about going home, feeling excited about seeing the person that you love. Doing simple things, not talking, talking, um, not having to meet society's needs, knowing that in this relationship, no matter what anyone else thinks of it, you are very sound with it and you feel very good about it. Right. I think that's, that's a very good answer. I, I think, um, you know, you talk about the society's expectations and you know not thinking that you have to mm -hmm. fit in and that um 
And I think that there's a natural process that occurs when you're straight and you start dating someone. You know, you start dating, and then you meet the parents, and then you have the holidays, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then you have a wedding. And I think um, those solidifiers don't often exist in most lesbian relationships where they have to be closeted, where they're not. There's no lesbian community, and so without that, I mean, what what do you think? In your experience, I mean, how many relationships, lesbian relationships, have you seen that they had this process and then without it? I mean, how do they make it work, I guess? And that, that's actually, that goes back to the healthy stuff, that even if you and your partner have all the right mixings, all of the latter things that I spoke about, meeting the parents now becomes an issue. Um, and what it's not, it's very challenging. However, you know, I've got to say that if you think about families today, and families in the 50s when I grew up, you know, where people were just coming out of the closet, where there was Stonewall, where there were all sorts of people with the femme butch kind of thing. But, you know, the beauty of relationships is the, and the strength of it is that if it is indeed a really bonding relationship, if it's a good relationship, we're going to have our own family. We're going to have other other families. Perhaps her family might be accepting. We're going to have other moms and dads in the community. Oh, we might not. So we just move forward with our own lives. And again, it doesn't feel good, but we can't force people to accept who we are. And we can rationalize for all the wrong reasons. You know, we can say, well, you're my mom and you're supposed to, and parents should. And this is where the expectations come in. The shoulds, the why don't you, you know, I've seen people cry and yell at their parents, and it's really sad because their parents are closed. And it's actually just as sad for their parents because they've actually lost a daughter, you know, or perhaps two daughters. And so it's just as much their loss. But they're closed, and, you know, this is nothing new. These parents were had some difficulties with stuff all along. This is not my daughter's a lesbian, and now I decide that I'm going to close off and, and you know, excommunicate it from the family. There, I can assure you that from what I've seen, that there were already many challenges within that family, nuclei. So uh, were you saying that um, a healthy alternative when a situation like that happens is basically to try and create family? Like well, you are community? yeah, you are creating a family because even if it's just your partner, mm -hmm. you know, you have the strong strong bond. You have, you, you know, when we think about, first of all, number one, we're women, and that alone in society makes us second class citizens. And I know that um, we've come a long ways, and yes, we have Hillary who ran for president. You know, we we have made a lot of progress, but you know, when we live in the we, we live in straight world basically. So when, when the office parties come along, when family events come along, particularly like at this time of the year, for instance, Thanksgiving and Christmas, everybody on TV has their family and their loved ones. Well, how do you define family and loved ones? Well, how come my mom and dad won't call me? I sent them beautiful gifts. I, I Don't they know how much I love them? You know, mm -hmm. and I, I want them to appreciate her. I want them to know her. If only they knew her then they would definitely love her, you know, it, and it's all my need. And rather than, it's really sad to me, it hurts, and I'd love to have my parents accept this and sanction this relationship, 
but they're not in that place right now. And it doesn't feel good. I mean, but it, but life goes on, yeah. you know, because my, what's my alternative? Do I say, okay, I'm going to go straight or I'm not, I'm going to leave my woman. I, I can't do that. Right. It's not who I am. It takes a, a lot of strength oh, to live a life like that. I know my family, I grew up really religious mm-hmm. and my parents, um, I came out to them and they completely disowned me and the, you know, the church kicked me out. And, you know, I came out here, and I find that um, I have a great community here. I mean, San Francisco, I mean, you can't do any better, really. Um, but I still have a hard time with relationships because I think I have some stigma from my, my past. And it's not just, it's not really the guilt stuff anymore because I've kind of I've dealt with that. I've had therapy. But it's also just, um, I have this ideal in my mind of bringing someone home to mom. And, and at this stage, I almost can because I've been working on it for so long. But it, it's still like... I, I, I wish that I could get rid of that ideal that I have in my mind because no one can live up to that. You know, it's just not possible. So I think, I think that's something too. If you, if you had a religious family or if you had, you know, you had a certain way that you thought your life was going to go and then suddenly, you, you know, you realize, oh, I'm gay. So this is not going to be the way it goes. That it, it takes a certain um, a bit of time and, I guess, understanding of yourself to accept that that's, that's how it's going to be for you. And maybe your parents won't, you know, they won't forgive you for being gay, um, but you have to forgive them for not forgiving you. You know, mm-hmm. kind of, that's how it works, it seems like. And so that's hard. And I, I think there must be other challenges too that the lesbians are facing. I mean, have you found that there's a certain um, set of challenges typically for lesbians? I mean, besides for family, um, are th- is there ways that they communicate or, I mean, I guess I don't, I don't know. Well, we could just get into the questions and oh, okay. see. Okay. Well, if you'd like, though, I'd like to, to kind of speak to what you just said. First of all, I praise you for being so aware of what's going on with you. And the religious-based thing is a very, very strong factor in, in, in what you just said, not just for yourself, but for many, many families. And religion is, is really a funny thing because it, we use it as we, we wish. And, and, and we grow up with this, it's a learned behavior. You know, you said, I can't get rid of it. Well, so now we're facing two challenges. God, someone is going to strike me, I'm going to hell. And my family is going to also strike me and not accept me. So now we have not only the greater power, but we also have the greater power named the family, our parents, right. to deal with. And you said San Francisco. Well, San Francisco is very small. Within the Bay Area, there's still a lot of problems. Yeah. You would think, people think that I'm in the Bay Area and, and I'm not in Idaho or Missouri or Mississippi or whatever. There's still a lot of challenges and problems right here in the Bay Area. Sure. And, and you know, religion is so strong-based because we believe in this concept of sin, this concept of morality. And if I'm gay, how could I be not committing sins and how and are my parents right and how could I be moral maybe I was born this way it's not my fault oh I don't believe I was born that way so you know those challenges that you mentioned being aware of them and 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 the strength that you carry you know gay people people care don't understand how much how much power and strength they have and how much beauty they have and realizing that this is the world we all live in not just their world you know, um, straight people don't go around saying, hi, my name is Franca and I'm straight. You know, when, right. but, but yeah, we feel that we need to somehow, we, we carry this secret with us, you know, unless, of course, we're identified in such a way, 
you know, whatever that means, if we look a certain way or if we talk a certain way. So I, I did want to address that, but go ahead, please. No, that was great. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for that. I really appreciate you saying that. I, I definitely, um, I know that we still have that in the Bay Area, the issues in the Bay Area, because where I work is very conservative, and the fact that most people voted for McCain. Absolutely. You don't have to go as far as Solano County. All you have to do is go underneath the Caldecott Tunnel. At the, when you go to Caldecott Tunnel on the other side, you're in a different world. So it's a real sad thing. You know, I just read somewhere that in Syracuse, New York, and it's funny because we're not hearing this. Perhaps you guys have heard it that some young man was beaten up because of he was gay, that four guys just got out of the car and beat him up. You know, there's still a lot of horrific things that are going on. So, oh, yeah. We yeah. just had an elderly couple killed in my hometown, Indianapolis, and I'm like, why is this not making national news? You know, yeah. Matthew Shepard made news, what, was that 10 years ago? Maybe yeah. not even that long ago, but, I mean, this is an elderly 70-, 80-year-old couple. I don't understand why... Nobody's really paid attention to it. Yeah. Okay, so we have some questions from our um, listeners, people that were out in um, San Francisco at night, and we interviewed them, and I'm going to play them now for you. Since her and I just got married, like, what, three months ago, I have a stepson who's 15 years old, and um, I really care for him. Um, basically, I think... As me, as being a step-parent, I take the full responsibility. I care for him. It's the same thing with a straight couple. And I just feel like we should have some equal, equal rights. And I feel, I feel like it's unfair. I'm really hurt by this Proposition 8 that's passed. And um, totally, I feel like this is just a disgrace where it's, it's in the ballot, basically. And because he's mm-hmm. pissed off right yeah, now. Yeah, he's, he's really... He's really relating to us how he's we feel yeah, yeah he's not and happy about it he no, feels he's the same not. way he's raised in this family he has the same rights he should he's hurt by it what should i tell my child yeah i asked the therapist exactly what i should tell my child about this proposition eight exactly how would i explain that discrimination in this world right now well first of all i want to congratulate you <clears throat> excuse me on your marriage So that's a really happy thought. Um, In terms of your adolescent son, um, I've worked with a lot of adolescents, and I want to tell you that adolescence is very challenging in itself. I always tell parents that they're from a different world when they're at that age. And when you said son, that also really um, uh, triggered some things because he's a boy. And I'll tell you, boys have a lot, boys want to protect their moms. I've I've dealt with several families where they had teenage sons and I want to say what a fine job you did or are doing perhaps with him because the fact that he can express being quote pissed off about what's going on with eight really means a lot. He's not being quiet about it. He's been taught somehow to express his feeling to say hey this is not right this is not fair And I think that's a wonderful thing because he'll grow up with a sense of justice, with a sense of fairness. And I've seen that. I I followed one family for about five years, and I can't think of a finer young man. Uh, He was in trouble. He was always fighting. And now he's getting married. He's a musician because the the two moms were very open. They discussed things. They They were not afraid of telling him their feelings. And it sounds like that's what you're doing with them. Um, the other issue is that, that 
you know, adolescents who have two moms face a lot of challenges in school. And I know we're in the Bay Area, but they still face a lot of challenges. You know, I, I know boys come in and they're really angry because, quote, somebody said, hey, is that your queer mom kind of thing? And they're needing to defend that. So they're always, you know, needing to do that. The good news is, is that other boys will get to see that this guy is just like them, that he plays sports or maybe not, that he goes to the same class, that he has the same issues. And it's wonderful right now, and I know it doesn't feel like it, and I'm real sorry, but it's wonderful that he's expressing anger towards the not, not passing Proposition 8 because he's telling other people, hey, you know, we have rights. We're the same as anyone else, which is what probably you've t taught him to do. In terms of what to tell him, it sounds like you're already communicating with him a lot and that you love him very much. And, you know, being a parent has so much... Uh, it requires so much energy to begin with, you know, because whether you're gay, straight, or a jelly bean, you still need to take your kids to school, buy them clothing, uh, you know, nurture them or not nurture them. You need to make sure they date the right girls or boys. You need to make sure that they're, they're happy, perhaps, so that they have their Xboxes and all that other stuff. So that in alone, I, I you know, I praise motherhood. And I give you both a lot of kudos for that. But to add all these other challenges is really, really um, must be distressing for you. But again, I want to congratulate you because I know it doesn't feel like it or look like it. But the fact that he's able to express all these feelings, uh, you're doing a wonderful job of allowing him to be who he is. And you're teaching him about freedom and rights. Um, what to tell him? Tell him just like you've been talking. It sounds like you've talked to him a lot and that you communicate with him a lot. Tell him that, unfortunately, there's a lot of confusion in this world. There's a lot of bigotry but that most people are really kind and good. Show him that, you know, the people that did vote no on eight, they were almost equal to the number that voted yes. And, you know, also tell him that for the first time in, in, in our history, we have an African-American president, an actually biracial president. Just, but, you know, so we are, as a country, struggling to make some change. We're trying to get rid of some of these people that have had these blocked views, who, who are ignorant, and, and, uh, and actually a lot of them tell them that a lot of them are really scared to let go, because to let go, you know, they lose control. And tell him of all the strength that he has, and, and tell him how much you love him. Love supersedes all bigotry. I also okay. just wanted to um, point out or thank that couple for raising that question because so much of the focus of Proposition 8 has been on how it's affected um, the gay community, mainly gay adults. And I think sometimes we overlook the fact that gay people do have kids and that these kids are really being affected by the decisions that these voters are making. And thank you so much for saying that because I was going to add that even without the Proposition 8 uh, dilemma that we have right now, um, that children from the very beginning having lesbian moms, uh, two moms, that that's a very big challenge. And we don't look at that, you know. And what we don't see, again, is all the challenges that parents face. Um, for instance, um, I counseled a family where the child, who was about 12 or 13, they kept it hidden, the two women kept it hidden, because they were afraid of what the child 
would feel. Wow. They were afraid of hurting the child. So when they went to PTA meeting, one mom did, she would dress as a straight woman, whatever that means. And the, one day when they told the child, and the child actually found out without them telling, she said, you know, Mom, if it wasn't so bad, why couldn't you tell me? So it's yeah, really, it's really powerful, you know. And you're right. We don't. We look at all the people in the streets right now protesting, but there's a lot of kids, you know. And and we don't see the power in the kind of parenting that we do. I used to work for CPS, and I can assure you that when it comes to adoption and taking care of a lot of children, everyone wants that little teeny infant that's blonde and blue-eyed. You know, but guess what? No one wants the teenager. No one wants the child who's been so abused and so has so many challenges. Guess who's adopting these kids and turning their lives around? Our gay families. You know, and people don't see that. They see all the negatives. That's great. That's great. Okay, we're going to have the next question. We have a tendency for lesbians to mirror heterosexual relationships because that's what we see in the culture, that's what we read about, that's what we were raised on. I would really like to understand how you can deconstruct, pull away all the things that are kind of traditional heterosexual models and really get down to the core of what it takes for two women to just love each other. You know, that's a really good question and I'm glad you brought it up. But you know, perhaps if you, if you, do, if you look online or perhaps can get some older movies, you know, um, like The Fox and, and, and other old movies, you will see that we've come quite a long ways in, in emulating, quote, straight relationships. And that's the beauty of it all. Um, back in the 50s, I remember when certain women felt they had to dress like men to be identified as, quote, butch, and they had to have a, quote, femme. And that still goes on, and that's fine. You know, we shouldn't judge or label things. However, it was very much based upon the straight model because we had, you know, th there were no, no uh, models for us. So the men that were straight supposedly took out the garbage and worked, and the, and the females supposedly stayed home and cooked. I saw where those couples were actually doing that back in the 50s. The femme, quote-unquote, would stay at home and cook and clean, and the butch would go out and work which really seemed like, you know, unfair because when two people are living together, you know, who cares? You know, everyone should empty the garbage. Everyone should change the, the roll on the toilet paper. Um, and I know that still exists because we don't have a lot of models, but actually I think that today the two women are very much more comfortable with each other than they were in the past. I think that roles have been redefined. I think that we know that we can dress any way we want to. We can wear boots, we can wear heels, we can wear uh, jeans or do whatever we want to and still be femme, butch, lesbian, whatever. Um, we don't have, or we don't do any of the above. We can wear lipstick. Uh, we can not take the garbage out and not cook. We can go out every night and we're comfortable with that. The, the key word here is comfort. If we feel the need to emulate a straight relationship, then we need to explore that because, um, you know, what is a straight relationship? Does that mean we get divorced? Does that mean that um, the one woman watches sports and the other doesn't? Uh, I mean, how do you define this? Um, and, and the beauty of, of two women being together is that there's, you know, you don't emulate the sex or, or any of the other parts. We wouldn't be who we are if we wanted to be straight whatever that means. Um, 
That makes um, sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay, let's get to our next question. How do I get the other person on board to be honest and open as much as I want to be? Well, you know, there's several things that go on when I hear that. First of all, we would all love to have people around us who are honest and open. So how do we define that? What does honest mean and what does open mean? And to whom? And what is our need? Because I, I hear you saying, how do I get? Um, and it sounds like that's something that you're needing. You might not get that person to be open and honest. We would like to think that someone that we love or someone that we care about is open and honest with their but if that question arises, I would, I would think that perhaps there's some reason, you know, that, that you're thinking that, um, and you might want to explore that. Um, people can be as honest and as open uh, as they think, because sometimes what we think might be open, another person might not think that. I mean, do I tell you when I sneeze? Do I tell you what my parents did when I, when I lied to them? Um, do I tell you what I feel when I when I'm when I'm hurt? What, what, how much do you need to know? And if you want me to be honest and open, perhaps you need for me. You need to tell me what it is you need. You know, if I say to you, I'm just upset right now. Perhaps saying, well, is there something I can do, or is there something that that you know you want to tell me? Um, the key word here is freedom of allowing that person to to be who they are and with time and with love people usually are very open and honest um you know the word that comes up too is trust do you trust that person because if if you don't trust that person they're never going to be as open and as honest as you would like for them to be um and sometimes um People are honest and not open. Sometimes people are open and not honest. Um, so again, I really would check and see what your need is um, because there's a lot of fear around. Some people have been sanctioned when they've been opened. They've been ridiculed. Uh, some people um, feel that they might get, that you might leave them or perhaps, you know, critique them if you're honest, whatever that means. You know, I remember when I was a kid going to confession, you know, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. And I would say one time, I was, they, I was so scared at that time, I was really young, saying that I told my auntie her dress was nice, even though it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, is that, is that a sin? Is that honest? So I guess it depends on the level of what you want and what you need. Right. That's a good answer. Okay. Next question. I would have to ask my therapist how to continue to have a healthy sexual relationship with my partner throughout a number of years. Well, you know, let's define the word healthy. Um, it's the sexual relationship. I, all of us supposedly are aware of the lesbian deathbed. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Supposedly that, you know, after all the lust and all the excitement's over, is we read and go to bed, or maybe get online or something. But anyway, um, you know, there's really good news in all of this. Um, and I guess the, the word before that would be expectations. What is it that you need? Um, 
what is healthy? I mean, I, I would ask you as to what you think is going on right now, because relationships tend to have a life of their own. For instance, you're doing really well if you and your partner, you said you've been together for a while. You're doing really well if you're not having sex, perhaps like you used to, because you've actually reached what's called the romance part of your relationship, which is very deeper and has a much, much more meaning. It's from the gut rather than from other parts of the body. <laughs> right. um, I, I, the other thing is, are you working too hard? Are you perhaps, are you, see, I don't have enough history to really know what the issue might be. But you know, it never hurts to go on a date and make time for a date. It never hurts to surprise someone. It could be a little tiny something on the refrigerator. It could be something silly that you know she likes. Um, it could just, or it could, if it's serious, it could just be, hey, you know, I have some concerns about this, what's up? Because there might be some things going on. Communication is, is definitely a key to that. But also it might not be anything to worry about. It might just be just another deeper level. And what's deeper than love? Um, right. You know, I, uh, what makes, what I think makes lesbian relationships so special is that when we sit, nothing grows without, you know, we need to have meaning behind and feeling behind our sexual activity. At least this is what I've learned from most women. You know, that's what they say. Um, and studies actually show that even in straight relationships, for instance, that what the woman enjoys more than anything when she's having, quote, sex, is the fact that she's being held. And she's been told, I love you, even if she isn't loved or whatever. But that's what causes her to, quote, enjoy sex more than anything. So if indeed you've been together and you still love each other and you have that deep feeling, cherish it. Great. Thank you. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of what um, I'm hearing for these questions is just um, to communicate your expectations for, for a lot of these issues. You could just as long as the other person knows what you're wanting, then anything can be worked out. So what's your take on open relationships? Because I know for a lot of people my age, or at least my age living in San Francisco especially, it's becoming more of a common situation. You know, the 60s dykes and stuff. And we, and, and they, um, they really, we were trying to be role models for them. And open relationships were shunned because it was the straight thing. Men did this all the time, you know. Because if you define open relationship from what I've heard of couples coming in for therapy, it means that I love you, you're my only one. However, if I go out and party, they call it, in other words, drop my pants <laughs> and make love to that woman tonight, it means nothing, okay? Because I'm still coming home to you, okay? That would be emulating straight couples in some ways. And... You know, people want to think of it as being open-minded, being more of a trust issue. And there's always one partner that says, if, if you love me, and that's a powerful statement, if you love me, you, wouldn't, you would allow me to do this because you would know how much I care about you. Sex is a very powerful thing. You know, it's interesting because it only lasts, what, well, it depends. It just, <laughs> la it just lasts so long, and yet that one item, one, one hour, one, two hours, whatever, often dictates where we move forward. Most women, 
and well, most people, period. I've seen this in straight relationships too. See that as having an affair. It doesn't work because what happens, especially women, we're more emotional. We really are. We we have more feeling. And if we're with another woman, you know, we can't, we can't be with both emotionally. If sex were just an object, then you could just say, hey, you know, I just went out and had a soda. You know, I came home. But it's not, okay? In fact, it's so powerful that even with, when I work with boys, what I would tell them is when I get that feeling, get a box with a hole in it and just, <laughs> or use your tools, and I would hold up their hand and tell them that's use your tools. My question to people who want an open relationship is what's your need? Because it, it, it's a really good feeling. Hey, you know, man, I'm loved, you know. But what, what happens to the other two people? Right. See? Well, I, I have um, some friends who have been in an open relationship for a long time, and they are like the only couple I know who have made it work consistently for about six years now. And it's because their boundaries are set very clearly, and they do not date other people. They only sleep with other people. But they only nurture their main relationship, and that's how that works. So they're not committing their emotional self. I've seen that, and, and you're right. However, what happens with time, and you're absolutely, it works because the boundaries is the issue. However, what happens is there's that one time when that other person might want more. It's risky. I mean, it can work, and I've seen it work. But it, it's, you know, women are complicated. Yeah. <laughs> it's an added element yeah. to all yeah, the other yeah, challenges. Yeah, exactly. You know, and we're very complicated in that we want communication. We talk to one another. You know, it's not a, you know, slam bam, whatever. So you can't separate the two. Right. And it actually seems like something that, I hate to say this, and I don't, if anyone's listening, they have an open relationship, is working, I apologize, but it seems like something people do right before they break up. They decide, oh, well, this isn't really working for me, so maybe if I keep you, because I'm afraid of losing you, I don't know if I'm going to do better, or if there's something really great here and I just want to go fuck around, then they go um, and do that, and then they break up. Well, not only that, and I agree, and I apologize too to people, because there are relationships that work, both straight and gay who are open relationships, and they'll work forever because of whatever, you know, I know people who stay in all sorts of relationships or whatever. We all have secondary gains. We, you know, whatever we're getting out of a relationship or that person, if it's okay with us, that's all that matters, no matter what anyone else, anyone else else. But in terms of that, you're right, a lot of them are in the breakup, and I, that other person really appreciates me, that other person really loves me, she's exciting, you know, this relationship... Oh, she loves me. She'll be here. But I need my ego fed. Right. You know, because if something happens, then what do I do? And you, and, and it is, believe it or not, it, it, well, of course it'll be, it, it's, it's a control issue. It's something of, I have to control my life. I can't be alone. Right. And, and that ties into what we were talking about earlier about the challenges that are facing lesbian relationships where you, it's because we don't have the support of our families maybe or, you know, the bigger... Um, group of people, our extended family, then we feel like we need to be with someone. Absolutely. It's scary. I better do something quick. You know, and then, well, and, and that's another whole subject, but there's also the issue with, with, with a bunch of this stuff is the substance abuse issue with lesbians, but that's another... Right. That's a whole other show. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> show two. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for coming today and answering our questions. We really, really appreciate it. You're welcome. I know you weren't feeling well, so thanks for making the trip. It was really informative. Yeah. Well, and thank you so much for doing this because people don't have means of venues of communication in, in parts of the you know country, and um, this is a wonderful way of sharing things. Yeah, well, thank so, you. Well, thank you. Thank you for being there. Okay, that's All it. Right. Well, that was a great interview. I actually learned a lot about relationships and communication. Um, I actually didn't talk a lot because I felt like I was in a therapy session. Like, I feel like she was really articulate and open and listened a lot. So yeah, it was she, good for me. She was a sweetheart. I really, yeah. I really enjoyed that, and I hope that our listeners enjoyed that and learned something. Even our straighty producer learned something from it. <laughs> so it just goes to show: straight, gay, or jelly bean. Communication is key. <laughs> That's right. Well, don't forget to look for us at Cockblock. All right. So don't forget to leave us some comments, feedback about the podcast, either on MySpace or at www.thelesbianpodcast.com. And remember, stay sexy, San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs>